The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Alright, welcome back everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, Culture Insanity. Um, yeah, hope hope to have some, some good viewership here now, live, and uh, look forward to whoever will hear this in the future. So, welcome back. We are in episode number six of season two. So, we got some, some stuff on the docket today. So, since the last time we uh, aired... Um, obviously it was the day before Easter. Um, so we have something in regards to that. So Kanye West, if you've been paying attention to his ongoings and just the news in general, he has this really popular thing, uh, pre Easter. I don't know if it's actually happened since then, or if it was just like a thing leading up to Easter, but anyways, he has a thing called the Sun Kanye West Sunday service. Um, and, um, on Easter Sunday, he did this thing at Coachella, um, this bigger event, bigger version of it at Coachella. So we're going to talk about that um, and just the implications of that. Uh, we have uh, some commentary on um, Russell Brand and how he defines God or his understanding of God and his belief of God. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast um, like last week, I think it was. So we're going to talk about that. Um, we, have, whoa, we have some some information on the show, 13 Reasons Why. And then we have... Uh, just a quick uh, tidbit on Superman, and then um, Alyssa Milano finds herself in the news once again. She must like it, because she's in the news um, once again, and we're going to talk about why. So, welcome back, and let's get into it. Um, so we'll start with the Kanye West thing. So as I mentioned, he has this thing called his Kanye West Sunday service, and basically uh, it's this big event where he, like, plays he like performs outside um and you know gathers a mass following and he has these big choirs and the long and short of it is it's um basically like a a mashup of like gospel music with like his his own stuff like sprinkled in and it's this big it's this big um performance and you know big choir and like they're all dressed in white etc etc really just evoking a certain image um so he did he took this this sunday service thing he has and he took it to coachella on easter sunday and it was this big thing and um like a lot of celebrities and a lot of other musicians and stuff are like it's like a trending thing like on twitter and on instagram they're saying um things which are you know peak our curiosity so um I wanted to read some snippets from this this one guy who was writing about it because he experienced the Coachella um, performance uh, of Kanye West Sunday service. And I just want to like break it down and um, address it from our point of view. So he says, A few years ago, I stopped going to church. The reasons why are for another story. But on Sunday, I gathered with about 10,000 people around a grassy knoll in the middle of Coachella to attend an Easter Sunday service by Kanye West. There was no pressure to raise hands, to speak in tongues, though the choir director implored us to turn the volume up on the praise. The spiritual gift was referenced in one song. While others in the crowd swayed with their arms in the air, I simply smiled when the choir remixed hymns celebrating the resurrection of Jesus with contemporary refrains. The choir finally turned around to all us in the crowd proclaiming, He's alive! over and over again. Their heavenly harmonies and praise dancing paired with Taylor's soulful, another artist, soulful, never, never would have made it. It made for a contagious, a contagious kind of anointing. They returned to many of the worship songs they'd sung in the beginning, again repeating the phrase, he's alive, with even more gusto. Then even they left the stage, so it was just the instruments, smooth jazz mixing with the smoke on the polo fields. No condemnation, simply celebration of a truth we can all partake in, because in the end, it wasn't about Kanye, it was about the miracle of being alive. So, um, it goes on to say in the article, like like I was saying in the beginning, um, there's a lot of really um, specific imagery used, and um, things like Kanye West is standing on a mountain, like, you know, all white dress and all this stuff to evoke a certain 
a certain uh what am i like emotional feel for yeah. certain emotion yeah what's where is that article from um i have it right here it's it was on usa today okay yeah um it's from about a week and a half ago if you're looking yeah, for yeah, it to yeah. post the video um but so my question is so that so there's this there's some things that um are interesting and potentially like uh, red red flaggy about it, I guess. Um, but just a question for us to you know start off is uh, what what service like in our observation of this um, and in reading the article. I don't know if any of you did, but um, and just hearing about it, what what service do we think Kanye West is providing uh, in bringing people to just a meaningful understanding and relationship with God, and are there are there what are the red fl- the obvious red flags of of this kind of thing um, that would lead people the other way? Um, and then is is this sort of contemporary style um, appropriate? I guess to to ask sh- shortly and, and bluntly. So, what do you guys think? I don't have a problem with the style. Uh, I mean, when we're talking about style, we're talking about method. I don't necessarily have a problem with the method as long as the content is there. Um, I remember it was a couple of years back, probably almost 10 years now, we had we had a service where we looked at the archetypes that were present at ABF, at Alethe Bible Fellowship here in Portland. We had a service where we looked at the content of songs that were contemporary, and we look at the archetypes within the music um and we just basically asked the question, like, are these people stealing from Christianity? And if they are, then we need to give that back to Christ. And I remember we got some flack for it. Hmm. Um, and, you know, so I, I think that I think and I think it was a valid approach personally, um, whether it was sloppy or whatever um, is for people to decide. But I, I don't think there's a problem with using contemporary things to, to Re- repurposing them is that what you're saying well it's not really repurposing it's more like unpacking them mm-hmm. and finding what's like i mean we're going to talk about that superman article but like finding what what is within them finding like the art of god within something and then giving god the praise um for it but that's that last line giving god the praise for it i think is the issue mm-hmm. it, it, like if, if you can talk about easter or resurrection, if you can talk about those holy Christian themes, if you can talk about those without talking about sin, without talking about um, justification and sanctification and and Christ's blood and what it means, then that's not the gospel. So that that I think is the problem. It's not necessarily the... It's not necessarily the class. It's not necessarily the the course material for the class. It's the source material. That's mm. the problem. It's it seems um, egotistical. I don't really have enough information to be able to make a determination as to whether it's you know it's good or not good. The, the basic assumptions, I would agree with Josh, the basic assumptions are, are you know, um, first of all, people have the right to gather. And so, but when you step into the area of church, so Kanye is playing church. And when you step into the area of church, then you have to ask several questions to determine whether or not it's appropriate or not. So the whole singing part of it, okay. I mean, if you've ever been inside of a a large crowd where, or, you know, attended any type of a camp or convention or anything where people are, um, you know, where where people are, are singing together and praising the Lord, I don't, I don't know... Are, are you guys hearing that static, or yeah, is that just yeah, me? No, I'm hearing it. I don't know where it's coming from. Okay. Because I'm not moving. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, my mouth is moving. Go ahead. Keep going. Um, well, you know, so if you've ever been in that type of situation, I mean, I just uh, 
the now you're talking about the song contents and based on the article the song contents were okay it doesn't say whether or not there was any preaching it doesn't say whether the you know how the theme of what was being said came across except to bring praise to god so from the for the from the just quick glance at it i i don't see it as a problem um but when you get into the more specifics about was a was a false message being uh, being taught, so were people so wrapped up in the in the emotion of yeah, things yeah. that you have a false message? You know, the Church of Oprah is kind of like that. <laughs> you know, where but 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 when you and you know Oprah claims to be a believer, but uh, when you listen to, you know what what she talks about, she's really New Age. And the philosophies are clearly against the source material for us, which is scripture. So, you know, I, it, it, at face glance, I would say, yeah, okay. But I would have to have more detail um, of uh, what actually took place during the, the thing. And, you know, was it just a feel-good experience or was there yeah, I think the more substantive to it? I think the, the like, sort of red flag comments... Man, that, that, whatever. Um, I think the sort of red flag comments are like the the imagery of some of these things. Like the article talks about at one point Kanye West is like on this pedestal above everyone else. And that <laughs> is sending a certain message. Um, and specifically he's on like Easter Sunday, <laughs> you know, like being raised above the rest. Right. But so that's a, weird. And but then he's an artist and he likes theatrics. Yeah, yeah. Showmanship. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like the notion of the writer of the article suggesting that, you know, this is, this is better than this experience trumps any sort of experience you can get in a more, you know, traditional church gathering, like, um, and, and trying to unpack that and, you know, that, um, attitude, I guess. So well, there, there are many people who, this um, like hyper spiritual experience. Yeah. That yeah. I mean, there have. are many people who go to church simply because they want the experience. Sorry, guys, we're having some sort of weird technical difficulties with our sound, and we don't really know why it keeps making these weird noises. Good time to plug. If you like the show enough yeah. and you know feel compelled to contribute um, to more proper equipment because you want a high-quality product, you can. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can donate to us. Go to abfpdx.org, and uh, I think it's just abfpdx.org slash donate. And, you and you'll be able to uh, click on the VRN option. Yeah, there. so I was saying there are lots of people that go to church. I mean, a vast majority of people go to church simply for the experience. They want a feel-good type <coughs> of deal, and they really get into, um, you know, those uh, types of services where that's what they get. And they're not necessarily there because they're, you know, they want to be taught or because they want to, you know, commune with God, they're more into the feeling aspect of it, and that that is that is and has been promoted in this culture, which emphasizes feeling good about your experience um, for many many years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you have to. You, have to, I was just taking a look at the set list for it, and you have to look at like. W- yeah, like basically what what are the what is being promoted through the music cuz it doesn't seem like anybody preached so much as they just sort of did, you know, gospel songs mixed in with contemporary Yeah, that's not songs. the impression I got either yeah. that it, there was any preaching just um right. So it all ends it all ends with Kanye's famous Jesus, Jesus walks. walks. Yeah. Um which I'm sure Pastor Monty's never heard. No, but, no, um, I remember a specific moment on our way up to Seattle we played it for him. Oh, okay. <laughs> But yeah, if you well, it was good for you. I don't remember it that so. It was neither good nor bad for me. Probably not good for me. Right, um, but I'm thinking about I'm thinking about like the lyrics for Jesus walks, and I'm like I'm looking at them right now. Um, but there's a particular line in Jesus walks where it's like it's okay, you know. 
it's it's okay. It's like a guy's not great theological ramblings about how he's alone and he needs to get right with Jesus because it's been a long time since he's gotten right with Jesus. Um, and he's just not sure he can do it on his own or he can't do it on his own. The devil's trying to break him down, so on and so forth, right? Kanye West thing. And so, but <laughs> I'm just going to read a line for you to talk about the sort of source material, the theology that it's using. So, uh, it's like a more than a line, but... I'm just trying to say the, the way school needs teachers, the way Kathy Lee needs Regis, that's the way we need Jesus. So here goes my single dog. Radio needs this. They say you can rap about anything except for Jesus. And that means guns, sex, lies, videotape. But if I talk about God, my record won't get played? Huh? Well, if they take away from my spins, which will probably take away from my ends, then I hope this takes away from my sins and brings the day that I'm dreaming about the next time in the club, everybody is screaming out. Basically his song. So I want to like unpack the, I want to unpack that for a second. Like basically what that is preaching is a works gospel. Now I, I know that he's like not, and what I mean by works gospel for our non-Christian listeners or our non-familiar with Christian listeners is the gospel of Christ says we can't earn our way to heaven even if we tried, no matter how righteous we are. The most righteous person, their righteousness would be like filthy rags. So, um, if you go back to the original language, that's essentially saying like a bloody tampon. Mm -hmm. So, it's not really worth anything. And so, you have Kanye like spouting off a works doctrine at the end. Basically, I hope that this record will take away, even if it doesn't get played, I hope that that will take away from my sins. And that's like how he's going to find salvation in Christ. And then he throws this nice little line on at the end that his dream is that everybody will be singing his song. That's his dream. Not that he will be saved or not that, <laughs> not that people will come to know Christ, but that everybody will, will be singing his song, Jesus Walks. So I just that's how they ended the service. So I got to be real skeptical here. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go back to my fallback. Thing. Come on, let's be nice to... Let's be nice here, just from the standpoint that, after all, he is an artist. and This is probably going to harken back to the last episode. We're not, we're not talking this guy is any Theological wizard. Deep theologian, right. So Well, that's, but that's, again, that's I not know, fair. Yeah. Just because he's not, <laughs> just because he's not a theologian by trade doesn't mean that he has to be an idiot theologically. Well, but see, the thing is, is that you know when he was writing this song, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some speculation there. But when he was writing this song and he was putting his lyrics together, obviously he was trying to do some rhyme. Yeah. And or correlation. So you know how how so. You so know, saying he's got to take some leaps. Well, he did. <laughs> he did take some leaps, and basically for the sake of the rhyme, man. This, this word was not working. <laughs> And I couldn't be theologically correct if that even entered his thought. I couldn't be theologically correct here. So this works, so we'll go with so we're it. <laughs> now, I mean, Connie's, Connie's a decent writer, for the record. Um, so, no, I don't think that's what it is. You're basically saying that he's being sloppy. He is being sloppy. No, I think he's being ignorant. Well, that too. <laughs> when you put sloppy and ignorance together, it's disaster. Okay. And now we have this, like, massive hum, so I don't know yeah. what's going on. Let's move on. Um, so, next up. So, Russell Brand um, was on Joe Rogan. And for those of you that don't know, Joe Rogan is has, probably has the most popular podcast in the world, I would say. I think it's, like, consistently, like, top three on iTunes. But he was on there, and I want to just break this down because, no doubt, this um, reached a lot of people. Um, he talks about his his um, his belief in God and, and what God is. Um, I just want to break it down. He's a fast talker, so we're going to play this. And um, I have some bullet points in in it that we can we can readdress that I, I typed up. So um, bear with him because he's a fast talker, a rambling guy. He's got a he's got a fast mind, and he he speaks fast faster than probably most people can process. I would suggest. Um, but here it is. 
give him a quick dose. You know, like, yeah. Because I, I, as well, I respect Brian, and it's further to my point, similar to the hunting argument. I can, you know, I happen to believe in so God. He's transitioning. But like I, when I talked to Brian now. Cox, I got to the point where I was saying, all right, even though I believe in God and you are an, a, a, an atheist, although he said I don't call myself an atheist, well, I felt like we both got to the point where we said compassion, kindness, and love are the most important things. Yeah. So in a way, who cares so when how you, say, you get there? When you say you believe in God, do you believe in the traditional God of Christianity? Do you, do you believe in God as a concept? Do you have your own definition for it? That I believe that that state of oneness and transcendence that you're talking about when you through your DMT experiences that says you know love and kindness and love and awareness, I believe that is the most real thing. I think that preceded all matter, and I think that we that we can interact with it. So I don't believe a God in a sort of in just a Gaia way that the whole world is like an interactive bio biological living breathing goddess i believe that we i believe yes that and that we can commune with it and i am furthermore the relevance of it for me is that it it suggests to me that we should be acting kindly and lovingly and when we're thinking about how do we organize our systems that our awareness of that energy accessible to all of us should be paramount in our understanding of how we organize so like what i think is like that we should look at you know like we've been through as human beings it's so many advents the agriculture technology industry thinking that we were that the you know the sun went around the earth thinking that the earth was flat with all due respect to eddie bravo like, <laughs> and, like, you know, and we and, and before each of these realizations and each of these changes we always think we're at the summit we never know what's going to be the thing that's going to change my suspicion is that what's going to the change is that the way we relate to consciousness and the way we see ourselves as individuals that we start to have an understanding that what that that becomes a priority that thing you described of like when i have come back from dmt trips i recognize this is just an illusion and it's not real i think that will start like i believe that we need to prioritize that and progressing along that line what are the implications of this not being the most real frequency there is how do we organize society on that basis how does that affect how we relate to one another what kind of how should we be governing how, how does that affect justice that that should be in the mix instead of how many fucking terrifying alright excuse the language um, so he throws a lot out there he's a fast talking guy but um, basically I just want to break down what he's saying because he's saying some stuff um, so he says things like compassion and oh by the way he keeps referencing DMT trips so DMT is what's the word dimethyl no it's dimethyltryptamine it's a like a a hallucinogen yeah dimitri that's what they call it on the market yeah didn't know that good 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 job josh (laughs) he knows the street words the businessman's trip yeah the businessman's trip it's a hallucinogen like a super effective hallucinogen joe rogan is a huge like um pothead advocate for it because uh, he thinks it you know um it enhances the experience. Yeah, he 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 believes that's the closest thing we get to understanding um, meaning. <laughs> um, but so that's what he keeps saying when he says DMT, FYI. Um, but Russell Brand says things like compassion and kindness and love are the most important things. So who cares how you get there? He believes the state of oneness and transcendence is the most real thing and that it precedes all matter and then you know goes on to say a lot of stuff our awareness of that of that energy should be paramount to how we organize societies and uh, our relation to consciousness and how we see ourselves as individuals would be the sort of tipping point to how we should um be viewing how we do those things organizing organizing and then he asks what are the implications that that this is not the most real frequency when we were in we're in we're in touch with that so just what is he talking about what is he saying about um who he believes god is what is what worldview is he presenting these these sort of questions how do we repackage that in sort of simpler terms for people well i mean he's just giving an inconsistent worldview he's borrowing from christianity Basically, he's talking about relational pantheism. Um, like, the long and short of it is he's he's saying, first of all, something that's not new. Um, but he's saying that there is a, a higher consciousness, that that higher consciousness demands that we have a system of reciprocity, 
that basically we like care about what happens to each other that the way to accomplish that or that we can be in touch with that through the use of um, what they call first experiences like drugs for instance um, or extreme love so probably sex mm. um, things like that and that our society should be based on it so like I mean that's really all he's saying he's saying like everyone should just love each other man and if you if you know God like you'll just love each other and He's a hippie. I mean, that's there's. I mean, he's talking really fast and he's using modern terms, but yeah. that's essentially what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, he needs to. He's he's <laughs> promoting love and love and kindness um, because it's beneficial to him when he's coming down off of one of his trips that uh, people be uh, kind to him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. I you know, um, but he has no basis for for it, really. His thought doesn't address the real <laughs> issues of you know the philosophical theological issues that that man faces, and this is where all of these types of uh, philosophies fall short because they fail to answer the three essential questions that all individuals face at at one time or another. Now the 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 uh, it, it may try to address one or two of them, but you have to find um, a theological or philosophical understanding that addresses all of the concerns of man. And all he's really doing is, uh, he's, first of all, he's not addressing the central issue that, that really the, you know, everybody just needs to love everybody. Well, the problem is you're incapable of loving everybody because you're bu- too busy loving yourself. And and the reality of scripture points out that that's the same way where people, you know, say that uh, well, innately all man has the capability of of loving their fellow man. Now, re- the reality of scripture is is that all mankind does not have the capability because they are in first love with themselves. And until you override that and reappropriate what it should be so that self is dead and our focus is on not on loving self, but loving uh, the, the one who created us to set a correct priority, only then can you put your life in order. I don't, I mean, I don't think capability is probably the right term. Well, I mean, the scripture definitely, definitely says that people are sure incapable, but then they also are capable and that's exactly why they, they can be judged. Well, they're only there, but, but there's a, a lie and a, a false narrative out there that, you know, everybody has some good in them. Right, and that's not... We just need to dig that out. Right. So there's a difference. So the way the scripture presents it is... The way the scripture presents it is that we're all made in God's image, and so therefore we are aware of the goodness with which we are potentialed. Yeah, no, I don't don't disagree with that, but... I'm not arguing. I'm I'm, I'm explaining. No, and I appreciate that, but the point is, is that, you know, he's talking about self, really. Right. So everybody has a good within them because they're made in the image of God. And so so there's that. There's a value. And when we're talking about that good, we're talking about the value. But when we're talking about good for mankind, we tend to confuse value and morality. Hmm. Nobody has a morality within them. So this is the difference is that everybody has a value and that value is innately good and that value cannot be changed. But nobody, according to scripture, has a morality which is good that then justifies their value. In other words, the value of a person and their, their, um, the value of the person and their ability to make good on that value, there's a gap between them that has to be, that has to be met. And this is what Pastor Monty's talking about where he's saying Russell Brandt is too busy being selfish to connect his value with his uh, moral right. actions, yeah. but but the thing is, 
So everybody has this innate value within them. That value informs our understanding of our potential actions. So then everybody who has that value knows what they should be doing that's good. And there's the standard according to scripture. We know that we should be doing good even if we can't actually achieve that goodness. And that's the problem. So we're stuck in a place of cognitive dissonance where we are basically between a rock and a hard place and we get guilty when we don't do good things, but we also cannot help but not do good things, which then goes against our value that we have, which is inspired by the one who is the standard for all good things. Yeah, so we have this aspiration of wanting to do good, but we simply fail at it and then we have to deal with the guilt and all the stuff that are surrounding us. Now, when you broaden that out from... Excuse me, from the individual to a society, that's even more difficult and complex. But I don't I don't think that Russell Brand I don't think that he is wrong. Like that's that's the thing. His issue is ignorant. Yeah. That's that's the real problem with what with what Russell Brand is saying is that his understanding of the difference between his understanding that there's a gap between personal value and between his moral motions and that those two need to come together and meet and they should they should inform each other and have a reciprocal relationship the fact that you are good in value means that you should be good in in actuality those two should come together um and that 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 is a relational truth that says that the universe or the highest power is relational in nature and that that's reciprocal and all of these different things that informs all of reality that's that's true yeah his conclusions are good but how he gets there doesn't exactly sense that's the issue is that instead of instead of making sense of it he's resting on the conclusions but there's a really only one idea that has been introduced into history that actually explains those things and you can't especially when you're talking about you know, trying to suggest what a society should be doing. You can't, you can't bring a society to do something if you can only present them the conclusions and not the process, right? Right. So that's just that's where he falls short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we should move on. Yeah. Uh, so it's May the fourth. Yeah. May uh, the fourth be with you. So I think Josh and I are gonna trivia off uh, with some Star Wars trivia since it's Star Wars Day. Yes. So uh, Pastor Monty's going to read off, and we're going we're gonna to go. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> so Josh will admit that he's by no means a Star Wars expert, but if Season 1, <laughs> if season one would, would tell us anything, uh, it's that he may not be a Star Wars expert, but he's pretty, pretty good at trivia. So that's true. I could find myself I'm not an a, embarrassing I'm, loss here. I'm not a Star Wars expert, but I'm by no means a Star Wars noob. Yeah, and I'm not a Star Wars expert either, but I probably like Star Wars more than Josh. Yeah. So there's a assumption that maybe I'll do better, but that's not my assumption. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's get some some questions may here the fourth taken be with you, Josh. from a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> taken from a website. There are 60 Star Wars... And we're not going to do all 60. We're not going to do all 60. But uh, let's start off with something easy here. So why didn't Yoda say, or why didn't Yoda say he didn't want to train Luke Skywalker? Why didn't Yoda say? Yeah, why didn't Yoda say he didn't want to train double Luke major. Skywalker? I did not write these questions. <laughs> I know you did uh, because he still he had he had anger within him, or he had fear, fear. within him. Yes. Yeah, fear. No. Oh, okay. Because he lacked patience. I don't know about that. You know, the, I didn't. Write the <laughs> All right. I think both. I, didn't write I think. The answer. I think both Adam and I remembered it the same way. So fear leads to anger. Anger leads to yep. hate. Hate leads to. Suffering. All right. Well, let's try this one. In the Star Wars film, what invisible power? Binds the galaxy. The force. Right, come on. Out of respect for Johnson, well, you're not going to answer. You, you had difficulty on the first one. So All right, we said I'd no throw, easy I ones. I thought I'd throw you a bonus. <laughs> okay. One. Okay. <laughs> In the uh, Star Wars series, which country was the home base for principal photography on the Revenge of the Seth? 
Oh, Revenge <laughs> of the Sith. Prince Wolf Photography Origin Sith. I mean, it's usually Great Britain, but I don't know. Principal Photography. I'm just trying to think of some of the different sets. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll give you a hint. It wasn't Great Britain. That's a good hint. Yeah, of the we got that. 286 countries in the world. <laughs> yeah, you, you eliminated. Well, one. and I said Thank that. You. I said that before. Before we got even to that, it was Revenge. Of the I don't Sith. know. That's 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 less a Star Wars question. To right. Me. <laughs> right. What was All it? All right. Uh, Australia. Okay. Okay. That's a dangerous place. Good for Australia. Crikey. Yeah. What magazine? All right. Declared Star Wars the year's best movie time time magazine that is correct <laughs> you got it you got you got speed we got to ask some more star wars mythology questions yes. here uh what bounty hunter captures han solo oh my Boba gosh Fett. yeah <laughs> these are easy this is easy trivia yeah, it is here. okay so I, know, I gave it to you i gave it to you what is yoda's last name oh that must be a deep fan fiction poll because it's definitely never presented in the movies. Last name has he not? <laughs> uh, his last name is Yoda. His first name is Master. No, you <laughs> are you are correct, Josh. He doesn't have one. There we go. Has he not? For those for those of you who uh, didn't understand Josh's answer, <laughs> he said it the way Yoda would say. It. As a true yeah, right. as a true Yoda study would. Can you do a Yoda impression, Adam? I will not. <laughs> Off air. <laughs> what substance? That name he has not. <laughs> what substance powers lightsabers? Kyber crystals. There you go. Adam gets that one. Wow. Although I knew that one too. Okay. I'll do. How many more you want? Three more. Three more. Make good them good. Ones. Make them good. good. Ones. Who is the? Uh, mother of um, Princess Leia. Oh, the mother, the mother is wait. The is, mother of Leia. Uh, it's Padme Amidala. Yeah, Padme. Very correct. Good. Okay. Um, What's Natalie Portman, guys? Yeah. What do Han and Luke ride in the Leia. snow? Tauntauns. Josh. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> I should have let the this I should have let a, the answer. This is a family program. <laughs> yes, it was. The answer is Tauntauns. And it became very awkward in the in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> they only <laughs> shared a kiss. That's yes. what they shared with Leia. Uh, who was uh, also known as Darth Sidious? The Emperor. Palpatine. Yeah. Palpatine, yes. Possibly Darth Plagueis too. Possibly Snoke. <laughs> yeah, depending possibly on which Snoke. fan theory you want to go with. All right, last one. Make it make it one more. Make it a just a juicy one. What does Padme name her two children before her death? Uh, obvious. I think it's because he doesn't know how to filter <laughs> he, the I questions. Think, well, I think he just doesn't know these things, so it's it's obviously it's Luke, Luke and Leia. Leia. <laughs> you just don't know. Well, so that's it's hard so for you. obvious. It's hard for you to <laughs> well, okay. I'm gonna say that nobody really won that one because we both knew everything. How about this? How about this? How about this, Josh? I'll find one, and then I'll give you the phone for you to give me one. And okay, okay. Can get it. Okay, yeah. Uh, what's the name of the planet the clones were made on? Mmm, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. My name's good. My, I'm going through all these, you know, Tattoo and, and oh, yeah, Tatooine yeah. and Naboo and uh, Hoth and it's the, it's Joppa. The with and, the big, long-necked, like, yeah, know, creatures. Yeah, I don't know. Camino. Camino. I wouldn't have known that. All right. Okay. As in El Camino? <laughs> with a K. Camino with, with a K. Oh, with a K. Okay. okay. Um, <clears throat> what does Padme say when the Senate cheers for Palpatine after declaring himself the emperor of a new empire? What does she say? That's a good line, too. That's just bovine excrement right there. I mean, I can, I'm envisioning the scene. <laughs> yeah. And you it's know, a great she's line. like looking and everyone's cheering yeah. and stuff. And I will create a grand army. Yeah, He's doing yeah, this yeah. thing. He's I getting his Dwight Schrute on. Yeah, I don't know what she says. <laughs> she must be at a shock and disbelief. I don't know. She says, So, this is how liberty dies. <sighs> Good line. Yeah, it really is. Nice, nice. Well, that well, was a wash. That was a. Uh, <laughs> I'll play my ending music again. 
good game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. The 13 reasons. <laughs> it was disappointing. It was disappointing. All right, so there's a Netflix show, 13 Reasons Why, popped up uh, again in, in some news. So there was a, a recent study that was detailing how after season one, so this study was conducted over the last year, I want to say, um, th- the study showed that uh, um, p- teens that watched the show um, – there was a, a spike in the suicide rate. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, Th- 13 Reasons Why is a show following the life of a girl who's wrestling with suicide. And I think by the end of season one, I don't... I thought she, I thought she was dead at the beginning of the show. And it's like... It flashbacks or it's, it's She like wrote 13 reasons okay. why she killed herself. And then yeah. she gave all of them to 13 different people. And it's like following that. Whole there thing. you go. So that's what the show's about. So... After the first season aired, there was a study was conducted, and of those people that watched the show, there was a there was a like a, a noticeable increase in suicide rate among teens from the ages of ten to seventeen, a twenty eight point nine percent increase. Cool. The study showed um, the number of suicides was greater than seen in any single month over a five year period um, that they had examined and. Over the rest of the year, there was 195 more suicides of youth than expected, expected given historical trends. It says that um, it does say that researchers warned that the study could not prove causation and that some unknown third factor could be responsible. Um, but still, citing the strong correlation, um, they cautioned against exposing um, children and adolescents to the series. Uh, and then uh, a scientist at the Institute of uh, National Institute of Mental Health said that all disciplines, including the media, need to take good care to be constructive and thoughtful about topics that intersect, especially with public health crises. Um, I think Netflix eventually added uh, like a yeah, they did a warning disclaimer. To, uh, okay. Yeah, like well, and they uh, changed the tone of the show too. Mm-hmm. And they give at the en- at the end of the show, I think in the credits, they give like a, if you're a person wrestling with this, you know, suicide like yeah. online type thing. Um, so. Um, there's that. So, is a show like this in and of itself bad for people to watch, given this recent um, research, basically? So, I can I can I clarify causation real quick? Yeah. So the yeah, um, this is what was released by Victor Schwartz, medical director at the Jed Foundation, a nonprofit organization that focuses on mental health and suicide prevention for teens. Um, this is what he said. He said, this is sort of the culmination of a series of reports that seem to corroborate some of the concerns that many of us expressed when the show came out. But again, obviously, with any of these things, it's always difficult to prove causation. So what he means by that is the cause of something, because there's a difference between causation and correlation. Mm. Um, correlation means how things are connected. So causation does not, or correlation does not always equal causation. It can, but doesn't always. Um, doesn't always. Because you could say something like, you could say something as simple as this show um, makes suicide go up, but you could also say something like the the actor who's in that show makes suicide go up, but the plot line doesn't. Like, because they're, they're, they're correlated to each other. You don't really know what the cause is until you explore it much more fully. So that's what's being said. Well, yeah, they're up they're, they're somewhat up in between a rock and a hard place because, you know, when you do um, studies of this nature, you want to be able well, to... Who, who's in a rock and hard The people conducting the study? Yeah, okay. in part because when they, when they do studies of this nature, they want to have a volume of individuals that they can interview in order to gather information from and the the people they might want to interview are dead okay so that <laughs> that makes it difficult you chose boy yeah. the the you um chose <laughs> I, I never like my luke and leia reference yeah, yeah i never just i gotta tell you though guys people were like what seriously their brother and sister anyway so the spoilers yeah yeah so so the um the issue that i see it is is that first of all suicide is is a uh, is sometimes trivialized and and uh is a complex issue when you're dealing with an individual but predominantly when you have a show that that emphasizes promotion of 
in this case the 13 justifications for a particular action um, the emphasis is placed in the, in an incorrect place and because of that that only uh, that only makes um, the act of suicide to somebody who's contemplating it a, a more reasonable uh, a reasonable conclusion and plausible complete conclusion to how it is they're going to deal with the uh, issues that they're facing in life my training um, I, have, I have a degree in social science my training in dealing with uh, issues of suicide has to do with the fact that you need to uh, divert the individual's attention uh, away from themselves and to look at productive uh, methods to try to help them cope with the issues that are driving them. And, and uh, this doesn't do any of that. So I, I don't think it's, I, I think that the emphasis is placed the wrong way and it's, it's not productive. And the, the doctors and those that were looking at this and made the predilection that this is what would happen, um, based upon all the information that is available, they were correct. And so there may not necessarily, they may not be able to substantiate a causation and yet. So you would say that a show like this <clears throat> does a complete disservice to those people? I agree. I, I shouldn't think it be. does. I think it does. Hmm. What do you think? I don't think so. I think the issue is is that I think it's a perfect storm. Um, it's definitely a <laughs> contributing factor, but the real causation is the lack of identity. That's what I'd say the real causation is, is that you've got a, a bunch of kids who are being informed about who they are um, and they have a nihilistic understanding of who they are. Right. They're, How old are they? What age range are we talking ten, about? We're talking about 10 to 17. 10 to 17. So, yeah, right. they're, they're at that exploratory stage right now. Right. They don't know who they are. Right. And so they're, they, they've been informed by all sorts of things. They're sponges to, to mm. media. And a non-discriminatory audience who is being babysat is open to any narrative that's presented to them. Right. And so you find a show where it gives a compelling narrative about suicide where it's where it's really an anti-suicide message. I mean, if you look at what is being said, it's like if you push a person to the brink, they're going to feel hopeless to the point of possibly taking their life. Mm. And these people were meant to feel bad about what they did to this girl. So it's... It's not promoting suicide. It's using suicide as a vehicle to promote anti-bullying. Mm. I think the, the, the same article was talking about, I mentioned this before the show, that um, they were talking about season two, and I don't know much about the show, but season two, and there was an increased, there were, the, the, the increased suicide trend was consistent, I guess. The upward trend was consistent for people that didn't, finish out season two because season two ends i ended guess hopefully hopefully and I, again i don't watch the show but ended hopefully but for those of the people that didn't see it out um yeah that 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 trend continued but for those that did um i think they said that they saw a slight decrease back down um and and that may well be that the the uh you know the people who were the producers and those people who were getting together and talking about how can they present uh, more clearly um, the, the message of hope and that suicide should not be an option? How can they present that more clearly in season two? Well, in season three, no, because season two aired already. But yeah, well, right. But you said it started that people were beginning right, to right, 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 right. Two. That maybe they said that after season one. And sort of the backlash that they got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, I mean, we have to be careful about basically deeming things anti-art. Mm. Um, and I I don't think it needs to be book burned. I think it needs to have, I think it needs to be taken with discretion. And Yeah, I think, she says, I like what she says, that all disciplines, including media, yeah. need to be taken with discretion. You know, yeah. Specific, um, constructive, and thoughtful about those things well this goes back to i mean in my mind this goes back to what what uh the way that that 
the way that, that we used to um, interact with our children um, when whenever we would watch whatever the movie, whatever we were dealing with, is that we would watch it and then we would sit down and discuss the elements that were there, the message and and you know and and work through it. You remember, Josh, how we'd we'd we'd, we'd do those things? Yeah, of course. And the and I don't. I think that there's there's a real difficulty with parents today that just put their kids in front of the TV or the computer or whatever yeah, absolutely. And, and do not uh, go through that process of debriefing and helping them to figure out. Well, uh, not just debriefing, but stuff, briefing as well. A lot of stuff out there today is is very, very overt. Well, and then there's... there's. Do you know what creepypasta is? Creepypasta? Yeah, do you know that term? No, I Okay, so creepypasta is basically um, internet internet spread stories. They're short stories. Uh, think Twilight Zone, but then they have this element of not being sure whether they're true hmm. because they're on the internet, and so you're not really sure. It's urban legends spread. You know, they're the developing a new Twilight Zone. It's already out. Is it out? <laughs> several act, several, several programs. Several already. episodes. Yeah. So, okay. um, on CBS All Access, only seven, seven dollars a month. Anyway, wow. um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, with Jordan Peele, um, and it's okay. The, but yeah, creepy pasta. So like Slenderman, you guys know about Slenderman? Yes, I do know about that. Okay, so Slenderman came from creepy pasta. There's all sorts of weird things like stories about people getting text messages and then like the text messages lead them to be like killed or, or like all sorts of things where you're just not sure if this is real. So that's creepy pasta. The most recent creepy pasta that was like a big thing was Momo. Momo, yeah. Right? Do you know about Momo? This is just this. It was a statue. Chick. Yeah, it was a statue. It was a piece of artwork, like a Japanese piece of artwork, I think, um, that like was a kind of looked like a harpy, like a combination between a bird and a woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it's and it's very creepy looking, right? Mm-hmm. So there was there was an internet story going around that kids were being would kill themselves after being introduced to this picture of Momo, and so if you see it, then you like then kids would like kill themselves. Mm-hmm. There's no cases of that happening ever. Right. But it was going around, so people were being warned about Momo and the curse of Momo and, like, don't let your kids see Momo and so on and so forth. And so we have kids in our church. I know Aiden's listening right now. Um, We have kids in our church who were aware of it. My daughter was aware of Interesting. And I I had to sit down and debrief them about it. And I think... On a lesser scale, I mean, you're so, and, and so, like, my daughter is uh, going to be seven. So she's a, she's a six year old, you know? So I'm dealing with that with kids who are consuming information that are at lightning speeds. Right. Comparatively to the way that we consume information as we're older, because this is the first generation that is, mm. um, that has been born into the internet. Yeah, it's right. interesting. So it's like, you know, um, they're they're the first generation whose parents had smartphones. Right, it's really weird to think about. But um, so so basically, this this form of consuming information is is out there and it's quick and it's efficient for getting things out there. And so it so I think we are on the losing battle. We're on the losing side if our if our thought process is to restrict access. I think discernment needs to be the thought process. We need to teach our children how to discern what's yes. coming in yes. because we are going to lose the battle because it's too much coming too much coming quickly. It's well, from a, a from a parent's standpoint, if if you if you think in today's society, if you think that you can restrict the access to to all this information that is out there, Naive. you're living in a fantasy world. Naive. Because yep. you can only control what you have access to. Especially if your kids and go to public school. Oh, yeah. So there's a yeah. really classic, there's <laughs> a, a really classic Lucille Ball. Um, for those of you who don't know, Lucille Ball is like only one of the premier comic legends, uh, female comic legends in, in TV history. But anyway, there's a really classic Lucille Ball sketch. I'll see if I, sketch, I'll see if I can find it, where she is working on an assembly line. 
right? She's working on an assembly line. There's these chocolate With balls the chocolate, yeah. <laughs> that are coming her way, right? Yeah, great safe. And her job is to get rid of the ones that are defective, defective right? Well, she, it's, they start coming out faster than she can do it. She's taking her time trying to discern which ones are whatever. And so eventually, what does she do to start getting rid of them? She starts eating them. <laughs> Yeah. Right? They're coming too fast, and she starts just shoving them in her mouth shoving and just shoving mouth, everything shoving, in her mouth, right? Good down, down, down her, down her, her shirt, shirt and everything, be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is what happens with our kids. Yeah, they don't know what to do with it, so they just, just take start it consuming it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to find that sketch. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good pull to describe Tiffany that. Tiffany Perry sure. asks Momo. Yes, yeah. Momo. Don't look it up. Or do we don't have matter? If we you don't look have it, an issue in my house with Momo. We have a Popo, but we don't have a Momo. If you look up Momo, nothing will happen that you didn't cause. Yes. Let me be clear about that. If yes. you look up Momo, nothing will happen that you didn't cause. The way that we had to deal with that with Sophia, um, because she tends to have intrusive thoughts about things, was we had to go back to the actual art installation and, and mm. um, look at the process by which this man made this piece of art. Oh, interesting. And so deconstruct it and show to her, this thing is a made object. It means nothing. Right. Here's its different forms over time, and, it w- and it's destroyed now. Right, it's not supernatural. Oh, really? It doesn't yeah. have... It was destroyed? It was destroyed before the... Oh, it, weird. It was, a, it was minor art installation that oh, somebody yeah. took the picture, thought it was creepy, and then made a creepypasta about. Yeah. But we should be aware, like, this is what... This is what our kids, our kids are consuming these things. So just jump ahead a few years and go into the unrestricted access of, of things like Netflix, where they're not only taking in images, but they're taking in narratives too. And they're defining themselves that way. We all know what it is. Like we can quote lines from Star Wars, for instance, may the force be with you. Like that's social narrative. We can all quote these things and they mean something to us as a culture. That's what these kids are doing. It means something to them as a culture. So we, we need to teach them to be discerning because restricting isn't going to work. Right. So we need to direct them and discern. Yeah, I agree. Direct and discern. Otherwise, they're going to Lucille Ball it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find that sketch. <laughs> um, well, we're at an hour now. We've run out of time. We had uh, uh, all right, rapid fire, Superman Jesus. <laughs> you said you said we can hit it in one point. So there's an article, there's an article that someone wrote just talking about how s- a lot of our favorite heroes and this one they used Superman as an example. Um, you know, uh, are 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 um, reflective of of Christ, but ultimately they fall short because they're not as perfect as Christ. Um, how do you want to? How do you want to address it? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, they fall short. <laughs> yeah. of, of course, they fall short. Okay. Yeah. Um, you can. The article will be posted if you want to read it. It's interesting. Um, basically, the interpre- the impression I got by the end of the article is that, uh, yeah, don't don't replace Jesus with any one of your favorite heroes because they Duh. fall short. <laughs> but people, we live in a time where people have a real obsession with these people. Um, they were saying, yeah, they were saying like, don't. Here, I'm posting the article right now. Yeah, they weren't. It wasn't so much a warning as a why. Why do you? Why would you do that? And so, to the why question, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the title is Superman is no Jesus, and he doesn't need to be. Um, I would say that you do that because what what the article is missing is Jesus is the source narrative. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Everything flows around him. We get our understanding of true heroicness right. from him. Scripture mm-hmm. says everything is held together by and, him. And you can say, you can say like, oh yeah, we had heroes before like Zeus and so on and so forth. But no, what are you talking about? Those people were adulterous and they were consumed by their lusts and they did weird sexual things and... There was no altruistic hero before Christ. Yeah. So if any of these super good uh, themes and elements pop up in your heroes and your favorite movies and your favorite TV shows, um, they strike a chord with you because they should. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and then I don't know I don't know how to address this in a rapid fire other than to laugh and say jokes on you. But Alyssa Milano, um, <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa Milano is in the news because she has a podcast called 
sorry not sorry that's what it's called um and in her podcast she was soliciting stories um from uh pro choice people um to talk about on her podcast because she's you know unapologetically pro choice um and in response her twitter or was was and her and her podcast was flooded with people on the other side giving like amazing accountings and stories of um how you know for example they were the doctor recommended that they their mom abort them but now they're here and now they're their mom's caregiver and et cetera, et cetera. all these like super you know amazing stories um jokes on you yeah <laughs> yeah i mean why what's she expect well this is what yeah. she asked for if you'd like to share your personal abortion story on my podcast to help shine a light on the importance of bodily autonomy mm-hmm. please record the story on your voice memo app uh and email it to the below address and then just people started recording their abortion stories they right, just right. happened it to was be the, the reverse of what she right. was expecting <laughs> right well i just think that that I just think we need to remember here. These people are the vocal majority, mm-hmm. but they're not the actual majority the consensus. The vocal majority. Yes. Let me, the let loudest, me, the uh, loudest. I've party. talked to women that have gone through the, you know, that process, and I have never, ever heard a woman say how wonderful it was. Well, in one of the stories, it's I think it's the last story given in the article that was that you can read um a wo- the woman talks about she, her and her now husband um when she went through that process uh and you know he was against it she was for it she did it she went through several years of depression and sickness and several yes, weeks yes. of bleeding for example not to be too whatever graphic but all these things she didn't know and didn't know what to expect and now six children later um she can't help but feel guilty and re- mm-hmm. regret regretful is that mm-hmm. a word regretful yeah. um for the actions that she chose to make despite like her husband's you know whatever and mm-hmm. um she can't help but wonder what if and stuff so to your point like yeah it's not a it's not a good thing it doesn't it's it's like a haunt it's a haunting thing it'll haunt you well and we yeah and we tend to think that because they are such a vocal a vocal people um the uh like stars and celebrities who are about this i think she came with like a group of like 70 Se- yeah because she was in georgia yeah because georgia had had um passed a passed a whatever against the late term yeah late against term. the late term thing right and so she like rallied a, a group of like 70 celebrities to basically say we're never going to work in your state again yeah <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> Well, Georgia makes a lot of money from movies. Yeah, they have huge production studios in yeah. Georgia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she she was on that that route, the the front runner for that. Right. But so I think it's probably a really needed reminder for her. I'm not sure that she'll understand it, but I think it's probably a needed reminder for her that not everybody agrees with your position just because you They're have loud. just because you have the money to get your position out there. Not everybody agrees with your position, Alyssa Milano. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it is what it is. I, I also, I really hate, I, just to rant for half a second here, I really hate the idea of pro-choice versus pro-life. Um, pro-lifers don't not give you a choice. Like, you have a choice to, you have choice to not abort your child. You can choose abstinence, first of all. You can choose to give your child away for adoption you can choose all there's there's a whole bunch of choices it's not you know it's not kill the no baby. no no it's been it's been framed over the years the way it's been framed to create a very specific na- uh, narrative yeah it's it's really like pro death yeah <laughs> that's what, that's what it is there yeah the 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 argument against it is like it to say that it to say that it takes away women's choice is um says the thing says it's it begs the question um that we we support women's rights we're all for choice too so long as you don't kill anybody and don't killing like killing people trumps like the the right to choose a free uh, you know life of liberty and you know whatever right pursuit of happiness yeah um so um we'll end on that note so, if you're interested in these things, these topics of the day, or staying relevant, you can check out the comments on the video. They were posted as we were going along. 
Um, we've began the process of sort of rebranding and better establishing ourselves here at Aletheia. So um, we do a number of shows, a number of podcasts, a number of different um, things, resources we offer. So we've gone down to one Facebook page um, so you can find these things easier. So going forward, you can look for all of our content on the Vigilance Radio Network um, Facebook group page. So you can like, follow, subscribe to that so you can um, access all of our stuff. And if you have something that, as always, you're interested in or you want to hear it discussed, you can reach out to us on that. <clears throat> if you're interested in exploring your faith or are completely new to Christ or the Bible, you can check out the help tab on avfpdx.org. Um, you can check out our last episode of the Upper Story podcast, which is, again, a, a resource for young Christian people to talk about things that aren't normally talked about within the church. Um, that one was on relationships. So you can find that on the Vigilance Radio Network Facebook group page. You can check out um, Pastor Monty's uh, weekly podcast on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. And uh, lastly, to promote the next uh, episode of Cross Examination, it's on May 26th. It'll be here uh, in Portland at Aletheia Bible Fellowship. The time is 7 o'clock, and the topic uh, is, is <laughs> denomination. So, again, cross-examination is a panel of local pastors talking about theology in plain language. So, look forward to that. The topic is denominations. You can join us um, live uh, here at the church or on the Facebook page. You can tune in. So, you can submit your questions regarding denominations with the hashtag CrossX, and that will get to us. So, uh, anything else that I missed? No, no, no. Then cool. We'll see you guys next time. May the fourth be with you. <laughs> the views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.